Ever since I can remember, I've always been a little different. Instead of trying to fit in, I accepted my individuality. As a child, when I'd cry, I was told I was too sensitive. I needed to toughen up. And so I did, at least externally. So much so that some people see my face today and they automatically assume the worst, especially when they see my RBF. That's how I adapted to survive in a world faster and more aggressive than I ever cared to be. I'd say at times, my humor can be quite irreverent, but there's always substance underneath. Stick with me. Welcome to my first episode where I discuss my motivation behind podcasting, my struggles with employment, and my never-ending quest to find work that is both lucrative and mentally stimulating. So, I started this podcast because I want to make some money. I just thought it'd be best if we start this relationship being as open and honest as possible. I could lure you in with some poetically crafted introduction about any random topic, but I personally prefer forthright conversation. I'm not really big on subtleties, mainly because I don't always grasp them. That being said, this isn't reality podcasting, so I'm not here to divulge every detail of my life. Actually, I don't have any idea what this podcast is going to be about. I brainstorm topics, but the truth is I get bored easily. In fourth grade, my teacher, Miss Lester, encouraged our class to think about what we wanted to be when we became adults. One day you'll wake up and you'll be 18. Her words have rung in my ears ever since. Going forward, I made a concerted effort to determine what I wanted to be when I grew up. At first, I thought maybe I wanted to be an architect. Not because I was interested in buildings, it's just that I liked how the word looks spelled out. In high school, I thought I wanted to be a chef, but I never cooked anything aside from a bowl of cereal and some weird lemon tuna rice dish. It wasn't even the fresh tuna. If you're wondering, it was canned tuna fish drenched in store-bought preserved lemon juice. So yeah, it was disgusting. Technically, my junior year of high school, I got married, which is horrible, right? Anyway, it wasn't because of an unplanned pregnancy, in case you're wondering. I didn't have my daughter until almost a decade later. The details surrounding that story, I'll share another day. Anyway, so after I got married, I worked as a pastry chef, which sounds glamorous, but in actuality, it involved my butchering slices of prepackaged tiramisu, tossing salads, and flash frying french fries and appetizers. The grease from the fryer clogged my pores. I may have been considered somewhat of an oddity in school, but at least I'd never had acne. <laughs> And I wasn't interested in starting then. Plus, it really wasn't that much fun standing around with a bunch of what I thought were old guys all day. I quickly decided working in the kitchen wasn't for me. 18 came and went, and I still struggled to figure out what would be the perfect career for me. I'd suffered repeated knee injuries, so my short-lived dreams of an athletic career evaporated. I thought about drama because, well, yeah, let's face it, I'm really dramatic. 
But I didn't think that that was realistic with my lifestyle. High school theater with rehearsals and showtimes, that was practically a religion in itself. It'd be worse on Broadway. And me as an actor, that just seemed like a fantasy. I went to a local community college and earned my degree in general education. I subsequently pursued a degree in fashion design. As a kid, I'd seen a gorgeous pair of wide-legged denim jeans in a fashion magazine. They were only $600. I knew I'd never be able to afford something so extravagant, but I thought maybe I could learn to make them, except my sewing skills were abysmal. I explicitly remember my professor saying that she couldn't use my final garment in the fashion show because the finished quality was just too poor. Although, you can readily find sloppy finishing techniques like mine in today's popular clothing stores. Needless to say, I was very disappointed. I was killing myself in that program. I numbed my brain filling scrapbooks with different fabric samples. I remember sleepless nights sacrificing time away from family only to produce mediocre results. The worst part was that I didn't enjoy any of the creative process. So after taking an assessment of my then priorities, I dropped out of college. And then I kind of gave up on having a secular career that interested me. Instead, I just looked for any job I could find which I found to be actually quite challenging. There weren't many opportunities available. Most of the jobs offered to me were low paying. Waitressing, cashiering, telemarketing. I once worked as a pharmacy technician for $7.10 an hour. That wasn't in the 70s, by the way. That was in 2008, and it was in a suburb of St. Louis. But I admit, I can get excited easily. I am a HSP. My secular career floundered for a while. My husband and I moved a few times, mostly within the U.S., but we also lived in Chile. At age 25, I thought maybe it was time for me to grow up and get a real job and be responsible. I thought I needed to learn a trade that was practical. Remember those... Vatarot commercials, I think. I think it was Vatarot. Where the guy would say something like, what are you doing sitting on the couch? Get your life together and start earning some money. Go back to school. Well, I wasn't foolish enough to go to Vatarot, but I did decide to go back to school. And I decided to get my degree in respiratory therapy. And just like everything else I tried, I absolutely hated it. I didn't fully understand what the work entailed, but I'd had some acquaintances who found the work fulfilling. Surely if they liked it, I would too. Well, I definitely enjoyed the academia, but the idea of holding someone's life in my hands was a little daunting. On the outside, maybe I gave the appearance of being calm, cool, and collected, but the reality is that in certain situations, I felt quite flustered. But, I'd worked hard to earn a coveted spot in the program. So I convinced myself to be brave and not to give up. I'm sure I probably told myself something like, it's time to grow up. I eventually earned my bachelor's in respiratory care. 
by the time I graduated from the initial RT program, I did have a higher level of confidence in myself, but I found my work opportunities to be limiting. The hospitals where I did work didn't have therapist-driven protocols. I was an idealistic new grad, and gradually I allowed the realities of hospital life to squash my dreams of clinical autonomy. I do believe that patients benefit when all members of the healthcare team work together. But many times I found myself wondering why I received such specialized training only to be ordered to give one size fits all care to my patients. It didn't require any critical thinking to push the buttons the physicians told me to. For two years, I worked PRN at a small facility. But during that time, my critical care skills dulled. Use it or lose it, it's true no matter what you do. I love my patients, but I didn't feel challenged at work. I felt bored. In total, I worked as a respiratory therapist for three years. And after two years of searching for employment elsewhere, I received my first job offer as a PRN case manager. A few weeks after I was hired, a new manager took over the department. I was excited to make a fresh start, but even that career path didn't offer much room for growth. A few weeks after I was hired, a new manager took over the department. Shortly thereafter, I was told by staff not to expect consistent hours. So for at least another year, I searched out employment elsewhere, in and out of the healthcare field. Even though I was technically hired, I was only legally employed. My last W-2 I received from them netted my income for the year around $1,000. So basically, I was unemployed for at least three years. And it wasn't because I was too proud. I even applied for jobs where I was obviously overqualified. But I was never the candidate chosen. At first, I'd enter interviews extremely enthused. I'd have a list of questions to ask to demonstrate my competence and interest in the position, but eventually my disposition relaxed. I still dressed professionally, I smiled, showed interest, but I could not overly invest myself emotionally in a position that was not in my control to acquire. I was present, friendly, polite, I gave each new interview a chance and left the rejections in the past, but not even calmness, competence, and positivity is enough to get hired, at least not where I live. I'm convinced it's more of who you know rather than what you know. I became frustrated and bitter. Why would no one give me a chance? Even after becoming responsible, sticking to a job, no matter how challenging, Having good references, yada, 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 it didn't matter. No one would hire me. So then I just stopped searching for work. And I told people I was focusing all my energy on raising my young daughter instead, which is what I did. I refocused my energy on taking care of my family and friends. I'd often say that cities are nice, but they can't tell you I love you like a person can, which is why we'd return to a city virtually barren of cultural diversity because I really treasured my relationships with friends and thought the feeling was mutual until one day I realized it wasn't. And it was heartbreaking. And I wanna be strong and say that two years later I've healed completely, but I'd be a liar because that's just not true. 
especially since I'd given so much, my best, everyone else until there was nothing left for me. I went into a sort of emotional seclusion for the next year or so. I spent that time in deep personal reflection. I went to therapy. I read several self-help books that gave hope to this lifelong pessimist. I began to get in touch with deep emotions that I'd never been aware of or I had suppressed. I also began to understand that there are people in life who will never be comfortable with strong women. To some, innocently expressing your thoughts and feelings, asking questions, and engaging in authentic dialogue will be perceived as a threat. And I accept that. It's true that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Because the experience transformed me. It helped me to begin assessing my real goals in life. Goals that did not include making my own wardrobe. The truth is, I absolutely abhor clothes making. I started searching again for meaningful, creative outlets that brought me joy. And when I realized I was in love with an idea, not the actual work, I let it go. Did you guess that I'm a millennial? Unapologetically. Plus, I'm a dreamer by nature. My personality type is ENFP. I'm comfortable with who I am. That's enough. Which is why I'm currently writing. And now through this podcast, I'm speaking. I recognize that the returns of my creative investment are not likely to be immediate, and it's possible that financial gains may never come. But the alternative is to sit around and feel sorry for myself. Yes, I'd love to go out tomorrow and start earning my own money. I'd love to not have to rely on my husband's income, although he is very supportive and he doesn't make me feel less than for not contributing financially. But from past experience, I imagine my chances of being hired are even lower now, especially given the current economic downturn. I heard a statistic that said, when there is only one woman or one person of color in a final pool of candidates, they statistically have zero chance of getting hired. Imagine the reality for a person of color like me today. I have my moments where I fume and sit around angry. I did what I was supposed to do. I got educated. I earned my degree. But even still, it feels like my attempts to work, to earn an income, have been repeatedly impeded. But if I'm being honest, and the long-term trajectory of my life, maybe that's okay. I'm definitely a creative, free spirit, independent type. Instead of lamenting injustices of the past, I'm searching out different and unique ways to create my own financial opportunities.